You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. How do you lose to the Steelers? It's the Steelers. They're not good. But what do I know? The Saints aren't good either. So, welcome to Crunch Time. Matt Miguez here on this Monday. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. It is a rainy Monday afternoon. So, if you are listening while in your vehicle, please drive carefully. James Mesh, my producer and co host. Bud, what what are we gonna do about the black and gold? What what are we what are we gonna do? We may have to bring out the paper bag soon. I've been saying that for three weeks now, and every single week, other than that one anomaly against the Raiders. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Raiders aren't very good, but still, that, that performance was an anomaly. They made they made the Saints look really good. They really did. Um, and even then, you're like, wow. I mean, feels like. The Saints could have played a whole lot better in that game too, and but since that game, they, they, it's just become more and more apparent. There, as we that say, the eights. Butt cheek. Uh, no, well, do do butt cheeks too, but they're they're, they're back to being the eights. I think I think I think we're closing in on them being the eights, and they, break breaking out paper bags, and I don't think we're that close. No, oh, I. Mm, I think we might want to be. I don't think people want to put the bags back on. When I tell you it took everything in me Mm -hmm. to keep the game on yesterday. Everything in me. Because it went like you expected it. The Saints start off slow. super slow. Yep. Penalties keeping the Steelers drives alive. They don't even look like they belong in the NFL. They're down 10 nothing. You get points on the board. Okay. You get now, a stop. Now it's 10-3. Your defense takes a stand. You get a stop. You okay. score a touchdown before halftime. You're tied. You, right. Like, and you get, wow. And you get the ball to start the second half. You give me this inkling of hope. And then you just limb. Piss it away. Limb from limb, inch by inch. Yard by yard, because Andy Dalton can't hit his receivers on deep bombs. Yeah. You throw it away. Both of his interceptions were horribly underthrown on open routes, might I add. Well, no, the, the Jarvis one was overthrown. Well, yeah. But the Mi- the Kevin okay. White one was misplaced. very bad. Both, both interceptions were misplaced. Let's Let me rephrase that. But yeah, the Kevin White one, horribly overthrown. Or underthrown when he had a step on the man. <laughs> Brian's funny. He said PSA paper bags are getting hard to find nowadays. <laughs> uh, Plastic bags are not an acceptable replacement. <laughs> no, no, they're not. <laughs> please, please don't use paper. Do please don't use plastic bags. That you know will, what you uh, could do though? Cardboard boxes. Cardboard boxes. You know you you know you use Amazon. You know you use eBay. I, I do use a lot of Amazon. So you'll just use one of your Amazon I, I do, boxes. I do have a lot of Amazon. Um. Just use one of those boxes, poke a couple holes, and then do a little little, little tier. And look, 
but before we we dive into the good things that have happened, and we'll, we'll we're going to talk a lot more about the Saints. We we are most of the today's fair warning. Most of today's show is going to be Saints talk. And if you want to get in on how you feel about the Saints, call in 337-706-0111, the game hotline. Look at that man hyping up the hotline. Um, but before we get into the good things that happened this weekend, I do want to take a moment mm-hmm. and and talk about the the tragedy that happened yeah. last night at the University of Virginia. Um, from what I have I have read, it was a bus coming back from a field trip last night and a student opened fire on the bus and struck three members he he wounded five people in all but he killed three people of three members of the University of Virginia football team um so just an absolute tragic situation uh there so definitely praying for the student body at the University of Virginia the football program, uh, the families of of the the three players, everyone involved. I mean, just an absolute terrible situation. Um, The university did get the suspect in custody, and the suspect is a former football player. Uh, So once again, just just an absolutely tragic situation, praying for everyone involved. Uh, You you definitely never want to wake up and and read those headlines um, in – ever right you just that that's a terrible situation that you never want to you never want to have to see so definitely praying for the people involved once again if you want to get in on the game hotline 337-706-0111 and here in Acadiana you can watch us on the simulcast on stadium 32.3 and channel 133 on LUS fiber but now you know, let, let's touch on some of the, the some of the good things that happened this weekend. How about LSU going up to a brutally cold? <laughs> I mean, brutally cold Fayetteville, Arkansas, and it wasn't pretty by any stretch of the imagination. The offense was sluggish. There was a lot of punting. There was a lot of, you know, just defense going to have to grind it out for you. That's exactly what you got. I mean, Harold Perkins, good God almighty, Harold Perkins. Let's go to the hotline. T, what's up, bud? Hey, what's going on, bud? Oh, just another Monday. How are you? I eat prayers in Tawson, Virginia, first of all. Um. but uh, the Saints think LSU don't or doesn't. Uh, but you know something about LSU? You know we're talking about Harold Perkins, Josh Williams, Jaden Daniels, uh, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. But throughout that game, every time a player came off the field, the walk-ons, the non-starters, Everyone was high-fiving and everything. So I think that has a lot to do with this team. They're all in. Yep, absolutely. The culture culture that Brian Kelly has put in in Baton Rouge, it's it's working. Um, Everybody's bought in. Everybody knows what their role is, and they execute their role very well. Um, Yeah, this this team is starting to look like a well-oiled machine. 
it wasn't a fun game to watch. But no, it was better than the Saints. But you, but but you kind of expected that, right? I mean, you 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 look at the. You look at social media the night before, and people are posting videos of snow falling down at the stadium. LSU is not used to that. You you knew it was going to be one of those games. Oh, definitely. And then they put on the sprinklers and right. blah 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 and all this. So yeah, it was it was a trap game, but you know we came out with a win. Uh, and they say good teams win in bad situations. You know. Yeah, absolutely. So, great great teams find ways to win. That's right. Okay, guys. Hey, love y'all show. Appreciate you, T. So, yeah, I mean, that's what it boils down to, right? Good teams win, but great teams find ways to win. And LSU found a way to win. Harold Perkins, I mean, I don't don't know. We we could have a whole two-hour show about how good Harold Perkins has been. And that's why I wasn't worried about uh LSU losing because the oh, one lucky the one lucky score came up late I'm like look I trust Brian Kelly if this was Ed Ogeron or less miles then I would have then I would have uh been worried again, I would have been worried because now it's only a one score game and Arkansas has the ball once again that's where I would be worried but the fact that you now have Brian Kelly I trust this team and what they've done so far because the fact that You've been able to get progressively better as the season goes along. You're too good to let that game slip by. A game that was this close, I I was worried about the the outcome until the very very end. You have to be. I mean, it was 13 to 10 with a whole quarter left to play. One busted coverage loses you that game. And if you would have lost this game, you might not be going to Atlanta. So, yeah, that very much nervous until the clock struck zeros. But LSU won. And then I never thought that you would see the day that LSU fans had to say, okay, come on, Bama. Let's, let's get a win. We need Bama to win. And, and it's, man, not something, they, it's not something that happens very often. And they almost didn't. They almost did not. Ole Miss, and and I knew I knew it would happen this way too. Ole Miss gave Bama everything they wanted. Mm-hmm. That game was incredible. I mean, you look at it; it was seventeen to seven with five minutes left in the second quarter. I mean, Bama was able to to put some points on the board, especially in the in the third quarter. But I mean, in the fourth. The only points scored in the fourth quarter were two Alabama field goals. Ole Miss puts one touchdown drive together. They win that game. And could you imagine a three-loss Alabama team? Still with in two, shamble- game, two in shambles. Two with still game was two games still to play. Oh man, who would have thunk it? Oh man, almost, almost happened. That would have been so sweet. But hey, now. LSU. Look, look, Washington though. Did you see that? Oh, oh yeah, I watched it. Man, I mean they're good. I've never, I've never discredited Washington. They're good. Michael Penix. You know he was a great quarterback at Indiana. Now he's at Washington, being an. I mean, 
having a fantastic year. Georgia just, I mean, not Georgia, Oregon. Do I need to stop believing in Bo Nix? Because as soon as I started believing him again, he... no, no, no. This was this was this was the <laughs> no, defense. I know, no, I know. This was it, the it was defense. The fact that you both scored thirty plus because Bo had a solid game, but because if you they, look at they it, they ran the ball. I didn't even realize fifty one times. Oh yeah. If if you look at the, how they scored, Washington had two touchdowns of fifty plus yards. Two of them. They had a seventy six yard touchdown pass and then a sixty two yard touchdown pass. I like how that, and that was Taj Davis's one catch. You you can't you can't give that up, and win a game. No, I agree. You can't. That, that's Bo, on the defense. Bo, Bo had a solid game. He didn't have a great game. No, Bo wasn't great by any stretch. But I mean, nineteen to twenty-seven, two hundred eighty yards, two touchdowns. I mean, because because here's the thing: you give up a touchdown, so now you're down three, or no, actually you're tied. I'm sorry. You don't get it on on fourth down, so you turn it over on downs. Washington kicks the field goal, and they ended up getting close. They got to the Washington 38, but obviously I don't trust their kicker to kick a 55-yarder. Well, not not in college football. No, no you, don't, you don't trust too many kickers to kick those. So, <laughs> so a last, a last second heave, they gave him a chance. He gave him one last chance. They just weren't able to get the Hail Mary. It's unfortunate, but hey, looking at it, I didn't get to watch the game, but from what I from what I have seen, it was a good overall game. Pretty yeah, good. No, pretty, it, pretty it damn was, good. It was a good game. I, I caught most of the fourth quarter. Um, a, another really good game in in the world of, of college football was um, the the Notre Dame game. The the Notre Dame, and I'm drawing a blank on who they played. I am Navy. Navy, thank you. Because yeah. Navy, because Navy stormed back. Yeah, they did. I, Notre Dame had jumped out to a huge lead. They were up thirty-five, thirteen at half. Yeah, it was. Notre Dame was running away with it, and then Navy scores nineteen points in the second half to try to make it a ball game, and it was it was absolutely fantastic. It was a great game. Um, Florida State trouncing Syracuse. Nobody saw that coming. I mean, I sure didn't. Thirty-eight to three. I thought it had been a lot closer. Lord, Tulane loses. Unfortunate, but yeah, I I kind of expected that. I didn't expect it, but to me, I did pick Tulane. But I thought it could be a little. I I thought Tulane still had a good chance, which they lost by a touchdown. It's just they they had to score two touchdowns. They in were the fourth. they were way behind, way early. Yeah. They were they were down seventeen to seven at the end of the first quarter, and they just they they couldn't they they were playing behind all game long. I mean, when the other team's quarterback runs for one hundred and seventy five yards and two touchdowns, I mean, what 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 are you gonna do? But again, kind of expected that to happen. Uh, props to Tulane. Did I you mean, expect UCLA to lose to Arizona? No, I don't think anybody did. No, uh, Arizona didn't expect Arizona to beat UCLA. <laughs> but okay. I mean, let, let's let's be honest. But I, yeah, no, that was that was a wild game as well. Uh, your poll question of the day: What stood out to you the most over the weekend? Was it LSU's win versus Arkansas? Was it the Saints' loss to the Steelers? Or was it Dustin Poirier? 
taking care of Michael Chandler in UFC 281. So far, 28.6% say LSU, 43% say the Steelers, and 28.6% say Poirier. You can also comment other if you have something else that surprised you. One that really got to me, or one that really stood out to kind of follow how the question is worded, Poirier, that really got to me on Tyronek because we watched pretty much all the fights. But Sunday afternoon, if I didn't have to if I didn't have to write that Saints blog, I would have watched the Vikings Bills all over and over again. Oh, dude. That was such a good I mean good a good ending. That was a gr- that was a great game. Um cuz all all I caught was the end of it. But watching Justin Jefferson cuz it switched over the coverage switched over. Correct. As like on the 4th and 18 play. Watching Justin Jefferson climb the ladder on that 4th and 18. Make a one-handed catch. You go down Thought you scored a touchdown. You didn't. Nope. You get get stuffed. You get stuffed on one of the weirdest QB sneak calls ever. I don't understand why quarterbacks don't just reach over more often like Drew Do the Drew Brees. Exactly. Thank you. All you have to do is for a quick second. The ball just has to cross the plane. At some point. Um, So got stuffed. And then Josh Allen fumbles the, the snap under center. I think it was more of the center's fault than Josh Allen's, but I, 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 I get what you're saying. The, the, there was a bad exchange. Ball lies there. In comes Eric Kendricks. He scores. Takes a three-point lead, but yet, you know, gave st- 40, Josh Allen still 41 st- seconds was plenty of time for Josh Allen. That guy. Kicks the field goal. Head to overtime. And then and over, we, overtime was wild. And then you thought Justin Jefferson, but even before the sneak, you thought Justin had scored at first. I looked, I was like, ooh, he might be short, which yeah. they did call it back. I was hoping they wouldn't. Yeah, he since was. Since I have Justin Jefferson in fantasy, he was way short. Yeah, he, he, he <laughs> was. He was a solid yard short. Yeah, I was like, oh, um, but I mean, what a what a game. And then Pat Pete, two interceptions. That's not fantastic. Absolutely awesome. Anyways, we got a stacked show for you today at 4.30. Wilson Alexander joins us for Tiger Talk. And then at 5.30, Brendan Moore will join us to recap the weekend of college football. You're listening to Crunch Time on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Why do the Saints hate running the ball? Why is, why is that a thing? You want to explain to me? Please, please, somebody, explain to me. How you run the ball 15 times in a game and you only get 29 yards. Please, please, somebody explain it to me. You're, you should be running about 15 times per half. Thank you. Now, well, let's break it down a step further. Left out the pins on your index right, finger. Right, let's, let's break it down a step further. Take out Alvin Kamara. 
of the of the running scenario, shall we? You ran the ball seven times. Seven times. For three yards. That is a fourth of a yard per carry. You are so bad at running the football, you barely got a foot per handoff. Now look, never been a running back. <laughs> never even been small enough to play running back. I love the I love the disclaimer that you're giving. I mean, I just I feel like I have to. It can't be if you're at the NFL level, that means that you are one of the best of the best in the entire world. Am I right? Uh-huh. Can't be that hard to get a yard if you're the best of the best. A yard. You're also going against the best of the best of the defense. I understand. 0.4 yards per carry? 0.4 yards per carry. That's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. And then, well, let's, let's look at the offense as a whole. You only ran... 45 plays? 45 plays. Compared to their 73? 79. Ah, yes, I forgot to include the sacks. 45 plays. You were 3 for 12 on third down. You committed 10 penalties. You lost the turnover battle. I think they had 5 by the end of the first quarter. You did. You lost the turnover battle two to nothing. And oh yeah, you got destroyed in time of possession. The only thing that you did good yesterday is that you sacked Kenny Pickett six times. The defensive line was able to get somewhat of a pressure. And you know what's interesting? Pittsburgh before yesterday's game, they didn't have a, a rushing play of twenty yards or more. They had four of them yesterday. <laughs> Outside of the defense getting pressure on Kenny Pickett and Chris Olave, please, please tell me what good happened in this game yesterday. And I will wait as long as I need to. You want to know why? I won't have to wait very long because there wasn't anything else. Well, I was going to say, I'd, I'd switch Chris Olave for Jawan. Okay, Ju- Jawan had a good game too. Okay, that's fair. I'll give you that. But and, Andy really likes throwing to Jawan, which I don't blame him. I, I don't either. I, I like Jawan. I always have. That's why I was so confused when people were like, is Juwan even okay, going to so let roster? Okay, so let me re-ask my question. Outside of the defense putting pressure on Kenny Pickett and two receivers having good days. But even then, it's not like they had spectacular days. What stood out? Nothing. Your running back that you're paying $15 million a year got 26 yards. He was your leading rusher. Your quarterback... Barely completed 50% of his passes for less than 175 yards and had more interceptions than he did touchdowns. That QBR, you seen it? 23.9. Your secondary got beat again. You saw flashes of Alante Taylor kind of being physical and you felt like, oh, he's making yeah. some plays. But then he also had quite a few penalties and a lot, a lot of hickups. I'm not saying Paulson Adebo is a bad player. 
Lord, he's having a bad season. I was going to say, he's been having a tough sophomore He's slump. having a bad year. Like a really bad year. Here, here's the problem. And again, I, I want to rephrase this. I, I want to preface this by saying, I think Kenny Pickett could be pretty good in this league. Once you give him time to learn the nuances of the NFL and learn the way that things work and blah, blah, I, I think he could be decent. He completed 60% of his passes on you yesterday. 60%. He also got a 23-yard carry? Do, do, we, do we not play any QB contain? How does a guy get a, how does a quarterback get out of the pocket and gain 23 on you? And he could have gained more if he didn't slide. Because he's not allowed to flake, fake slide anymore. He'd have probably had another 10 yards if he didn't slide. If he would have just taken the hit and drug somebody with him. Kenny Pickett's a big dude. He'd have drug somebody with him for a couple yards now. It's bad. And it's getting worse. And newsflash to anybody that's a Saints fan, the schedule's not getting easier. Yesterday was a game that you needed to win to feel good about yourself. Arizona was a game that you needed to win to feel good about yourself. Carolina was a game that you should have won. Tampa too. Because guess what? You got the Rams on Sunday. Now guess what? They're playing without Matthew Stafford. Maybe. He might be back by Sunday for all we know. Cooper Cup's injured. We don't know the severity of it. They said it, he avoided a worst case scenario. So chances are, if, if he sits, then you got San Francisco. They looked like a well-oiled machine last night. Elijah Mitchell popped off in his first game back since week one. He had a hell of a night. Tampa Bay. You and I were talking about it off the air. How You're thinking Tampa Bay might turn it around. I think the fact that you've won two in a row now, you got a, a last-minute win against the Rams. Wasn't pretty, but you got it done. And then you went all the way to Germany, and you still won. To me, that that's a big boost for the morale for the team. If that's the case, that game doesn't bode well for the Saints. Nope. And it's on Monday night. Andy Dalton's terrible in primetime, so cool. Then you have a bye week. God, can we have a bye season? Because <laughs> you come back, Atlanta. I mean, I feel like they may be on Desmond Ritter by the time you get to that point. So it, it may be interesting how that goes. But, hey, if this is his second or third game, right. he, he may feel a little better about himself. And, but but it's, Atl- it's Atlanta. Yeah. I'm never comfortable. Even when Atlanta's terrible and we're a Super Bowl contender, I'm never confident playing Atlanta. You're just okay, a nervous. So, you're so just a nervous. So there's Nancy. that. Cleveland. Deshaun will have a few games under his belt, and they're doing well with Jacoby. So Philly, <laughs> go us, and then you close with Carolina. Like James, this team might count themselves fortunate to be six and eleven when the season ends. Six. That might be pushing and, it. And that might be pushing it. That's what I'm saying. Because even before the show, you were like, best case scenario is 7-10. Well, that is the best case scenario. 
God, if this team finishes seven and ten, they better walk in the locker room at the end of the year and go, "Job well done, boys." They're not going to. We'll that. get them next year. <laughs> Same Dude, time next year. You are three and seven. It's wild that they won. By, by the way, recap: Dennis Allen's coaching record: eleven and thirty-five. Eleven and thirty-five. Let's just let's put that out there. 11 and 35 as a head coach. And then uh, Andy Dalton's 2 and 5 as a starter. Nice. Sweet. Love that for the Red Rifle. Woo! Who dat? Who dat? Everybody's going to beat them Saints. A pair of divisional rivals will face off to wrap up week 10 of the NFL season. The Washington Commanders will go on the road to take on the undefeated Philadelphia Eagles on Monday Night Football, and you can listen to the game live here on the game. Pre-game begins at 7, and Monday Night Football will start right here on the game, 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We will take a timeout, and when we return to crunch time, Wilson Alexander of The Advocate will join us for Tiger Talk. And we will have a conversation on LSU's win over Arkansas and what they can expect this coming Saturday out of the Blazers of UAB. Right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the Houston Astros and the LSU Tigers. Johnson throws, Boutte's got it wide open at the 10. Far side, he's in for the score. Hit high, hammered to left field. Going back, taking a look is Holcomb, and it's gone! Time to talk all things Bayou Bengals with the advocates, Wilson Alexander. Here is Tiger Talk on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Wilson Alexander, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well on this Monday. Thanks for asking. Look, you know, let's. I, I know we've done this already, but let's let's backtrack ten weeks. Eight and two. You've won the SEC West with two games to go and you're playing in the SEC Championship game against Georgia. Somebody would have told you that in August. Would you have believed them? Nope. <laughs> no, I would not have. I mean, uh, it, it's just wild. It's incredibly impressive. I mean, LSU fans enjoy the heck out of this run because, you know, it's not 2019 where you're throttling everybody and it's the greatest season in school history and all those things. Not every season can be like that. You know, this is a team that, you think back, I mean, said 10 weeks 10 months ago basically and um i guess yeah about about thereabouts and lsu's in the texas bowl with 39 scholarship players getting throttled by kansas state um it's been a really sudden turnaround and it's just been uh, an unexpected season in a lot of ways i mean the caesars sportsbook win total for lsu this year the runner was seven they've they're going to crush that uh, most likely i mean they already beaten it um, but they have a very good chance of finishing the year 10 and 2 It'd be the first uh, takeout 2019 as a you know maybe an, an outlier because of how just phenomenal it was, and it's the first 10 win season in the like 10 win regular season excuse me since 2012. I mean this is a, has been a, a really good year for LSU especially if it can finish strong down the stretch. Yeah, so you you brought up the the Texas Bowl against uh, against Kansas State. I saw a bowl projection the other day that had LSU playing Kansas State in the Sugar Bowl. Would that would that be sweet vindication? You know, twelve months later, it w- uh, probably in some ways for LSU, if it could go and beat Kansas State, it's kind of wild that, that 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 it's a possibility. I mean, both of these teams have just improved 
immensely. You know, Kansas State uh, bringing in quarterback transfer quarterback Adrian Martinez. They're ranked this year. Um, they've suddenly gotten a lot better, and LSU's in the same boat. And it would be kind of just, I think, funny for everybody who was involved in that game or watched that game to see those programs meet again, but under such different circumstances. Whereas last year, it's like, okay, you kind of got to go head over to the Texas Bowl. Uh, not that it's a bad bowl, to be sure. The Texas Bowl did a great job putting that on and everything like that. But just it's not the Sugar Bowl. It's not a New Year's Six game. For them to suddenly jump to that in a year, both of them, and end up playing each other again in, uh, under just extremely different circumstances would be um, just some interesting uh, uh, sort of full circle, you know, kind of uh, thing going on there. So let's let's look at Saturday's game, the thirteen to ten win over Arkansas. You know, not not a pretty game by any stretch of the imagination, but I. I I say that the weather played a, a large factor into it just because, I mean, South Louisiana, you don't play in 35-degree weather when it snowed the night before. Yeah, it, it maybe in some sense it, it played a factor. Uh, I mean, certainly it was part of the reason that LSU actually had, like, chicken broth and hot chocolate and uh, coffee on the sidelines, which is something that you don't normally see, especially for an LSU team. Uh, there was actually a lot of really science, sort of scientific reasons behind having that on the sideline. And part of it was because LSU had been practicing in like 85-degree weather and all of a sudden heads to Arkansas where it's below freezing the night before or snow and ice on the field in the morning. Um, and you take, you're supposed to have a certain amount of days for your body to acclimate to that, and LSU had to go over the, try to do it overnight. It's so like that was certainly tough on them. There's a lot of players uh, who are dealing with the flu. It's been fairly pervasive throughout the program. Ryan Kelly said recently, I mean, Harold Perkins, obviously, uh, most sort of known out of all of them, uh, having to play with it. Um, Jane Daniels even said after the game that maybe the weather played a factor in the offense struggling, but also said in the same breath that it's not an excuse. So um, it probably wasn't easy circumstances to play under, um, but I don't think it was necessarily all the reasons that LSU you know, struggled in this game on the offensive side. Now, you know, talking about the offensive struggles, Jaden Daniels – just not I'm not gonna sugarcoat it didn't have a great performance uh what were your what were your thoughts on, on the offense and especially the quarterback Arkansas did a good job uh with its defensive game plan you got to start there and give some credit to Barry Odom and, you know this was the past defense that had struggled all year and it seemed like LSU came out right away trying to attack that um there was a lot of passing uh drawn up pass plays kind of in that the first you know 11 12 play script um and it just wasn't working at all. Arkansas did a good job of sort of rushing three, using some spies, just sitting there waiting for Jane Daniels whenever he did want to step up and roll out of the pocket and dropping everybody else into coverage. It seemed like there wasn't a lot of separation. There was probably some moments, though, when Jane Daniels did just seem to throw the ball. Um, but especially with those two early turnovers, it seemed like he kind of got hesitant, um, trying to, you know, wanting to keep the game close. And things just kind of. It just there, you know. Arkansas did a really good job of stopping LSU and and containing Jaden. I mean, he really never broke out of the pocket on one of those runs that kind of gets them clicking sometimes because um, Arkansas didn't give him the space to do so. And where you kind of get concerned is okay, is that something that's going to be replicable for Texas A&M in particular? Georgia defensively is at another level of at anybody else, but Texas A&M, you wonder, you know, that's still a pretty good defense as bad as it had a, this been this year and you got to sort of see like LSU's got to figure out some ways now to kind of adjust and, and break its own tendencies at times um, and just win at the line of scrimmage the offensive line got struggled with some twists and, and things like that up front and so there's a couple of different factors that kind of played into that 
but yeah, Jaden didn't have a good day. Uh, it's going to happen at times, um, and he knows that. It, it is that he's got to get better. Um, but just overall, it, it certainly was not a good day. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. One one thing one in one area that, that LSU performed well offensively was on the ground. Josh Williams, 122 yards and a score. John Emery had some some big runs as well. Uh, just kind of talk about the the ground game and what maybe they were able to find holes in, in that Arkansas front seven. It was the thing that LSU went to when the, the passing game wasn't working. The problem was that LSU couldn't then finish off some drives to really put the game away. But Josh Williams really played well. Um, he was, other than Harold Perkins, you know, probably the number two or three most important player in that game, had that great 31-yard run, which didn't um, – it ended up resulting a lot because LSU then had three straight incompletions afterwards, but um, he was really effective. And not just in terms – you know, we've been talking about him a lot this year. As a guy, it's like, okay, you can rely on him to pick up four or five yards. I mean, he, he was making some cuts in the holes that, that he's done at times this year, but maybe more consistently. You know, I mean, this is, this is the best game of his career. He looked like really like a frontline running back, uh, did, all, did so many things well. And, you know, when LSU was trying to seal out the game late uh, – kept giving him the ball and when it was he was making plays i mean back-to-back runs of nine and ten yards in the fourth quarter that was really important and uh emory contributed that as well until he went down with a with a bruise that that kept him out uh for the rest of the game he's expected to be fine you know fine and back this week so it shouldn't be a a lingering issue there of any kind but you know the running game was working lc's been able to lean on it at times in the second half in particular this year it wasn't able to stretch out the score um but it was what helped sustain uh the offense uh, at least enough to to get by Chad with Wilson, Alexander Wilson, this LSU defense was just incredible. Greg Penn, nine tackles. B.J. Ojolari, seven tackles with two fumble recoveries. Micah Baskerville had a good game. And then, you know, there's there's Harold Perkins with eight tackles and four sacks. I mean, the, this defense, Matt House has just done a phenomenal job with this group. Yes, he has. The defense has played well pretty much all year, um, and, that he, and he's done a good job of putting everything together and making halftime adjustments, uh, having different plans, mixing up his looks so that you know teams don't just know what's coming, and now using Harold Perkins in such a, a good way. First of all, a lot of the you got to give a lot of credit to everybody who was around him as well, because I mean Jacqueline Roy and. Makai Wingo played really well in the interior to help open things up for him. Same thing with B.J. Jalari. He didn't have the same kind of stat line, but he was all over the place again. And then the line of the linebackers, Greg Penn had his best game of his career. Uh, Michael Baskerville continued to put, make plays, but it's all going to be remembered for Harold because, you know, LSU still used him as a spy linebacker at times. Um, it, it also rushed him off the edge. And he was able to chase down probably one of the probably the fastest quarterback in the SEC multiple times. His closing speed is incredible. We're watching the emergence of a true star right now, and somebody who is going to be extremely productive as long as he stays healthy and continues to do all the things he needs to do uh, for the next two years. You know, and probably just two years because he'll be a first round draft pick at this rate. He's he's been just phenomenal, and he's putting together one of the best freshman seasons in LSU history right now. I saw somebody say that they had put him as the number one overall pick in the 2025 mock draft. Probably a little bit early. (laughs) We don't know what else is going to happen between now and then, who else is going to emerge. Obviously, quarterback is, you know, there's probably, who knows, there's like a quarterback needy team there. But, you know, Todd McShay, which I think said that it's 
and this is probably more reasonable, it's like he's a top 20 pick in that draft. Yeah. Like, mark our words, top 20 sounds like it maybe is, would be low um, at this point, but uh, it's safer to say, certainly, uh, with that draft still a, a few years out. Wilson Alexander of The Advocate joining us. Wilson, really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, LSU plays UAB in a late-night contest, 8 o'clock on Saturday. Enjoy that game, and we'll recap it next week. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Y'all have a good one. Tune in next week for another edition of Tiger Talk. Here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field. Going back on its Gordon. He'll look up at the corner. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back to Crunch Time 4.52. Just got a few minutes left before we finish up our number one. Looking at the poll question, let's update it real quick. What stood out to you most over the weekend? Did LSU's win over Arkansas? The Saints lost to the Steelers? Poirier submitting, or like beating Chandler? Or was there something else that really stood out to you? Uh, Ton, Vikings Bills was amazing. Also, I hate both teams, but Cowboys Packers? What the heck? Ralph Bergeron individually? One former Tiger and one current Justin Jefferson and Harold Perkins may be the best performances by a true freshman I've seen almost single-handedly won the game and then Bill's Vikings best game of the weekend by a mile. But then, hey, let's get to something else that really stood out on Sunday. El Jefe Sabado. Jeff Saturday. Just a couple weeks ago, he was talking about how the Raiders looked terrible and he tweeted about that. What does he do two weeks later? Proves his point by beating him in his coaching debut. How about that? Oh, El Jefe. Oh, man. So here, here's, here's what's interesting to me about this entire situation. Matt Ryan gets benched by Frank Reich. Yep. Frank Reich gets fired. Clearly. That benching means nothing now. Ownership didn't like that benching. Jeff Saturday goes, Sam Ellinger, you're you, good. And and you'll probably be good in the NFL, maybe, maybe not. We don't, we don't really know yet. We haven't really seen you. But we've got Matt Ryan. And you traded multiple picks for him? We're going to play that guy. It's like, it's like the Jimmy Garoppolo situation. Look, I, I know you're bought in on Trey Lance. And that's fine. But for right now, you have a serviceable guy until the young kid is actually ready. Trey Lance got hurt, is done for the year, but regardless, Jimmy G should have started before him. Why? Because whether you like Jimmy G or not, he's a better player than Trey Lance is. Sign him to a two-year deal, let Trey Lance sit like every great quarterback that currently is in the league has done. Like how Jordan Love's been doing for three years. (laughs) look Look at the top QBs in the league. What do they all have in common? They all sat for at least a year. Mahomes sat for a year. Rodgers, well, you know, whatever. Rodgers sat for multiple years. Josh Allen. Josh Allen sat for a little while. I don't remember exactly how long, but he sat for a little while. He, they didn't throw him into the fire. You go play Matt Ryan, and then Jonathan Taylor comes back from injury. 
Herbert play started actually week two or three because yeah he he came Tarot in Taylor got a got a got punctured his, lung yeah got his lung punctured I mean what do you what by do you the do? doctors he's like, oops what do you do um man Matt Ryan played well yesterday completed seventy five percent of his passes two hundred yards threw a touchdown he didn't throw an interception solid day I mean not bad not the numbers don't jump off the page like oh my god what a game. But like, but it was like Kenny Pickett, where it's like, or, you, you or, did uh, you did your job, or what, or with like kind of almost Bo Nix, even though Bo yeah. Nix didn't get the win, you did was, your job. It was solid numbers. It what with Bo, it wasn't enough. But I mean, with Matt Ryan, hey, seventy five percent of your com- of your passes were completed. You played well. Didn't you turn s- the ball over. You set up your running back to play well. Your defense played well. So now, so now here's the question, and and we're gonna wrap this up. We have about ninety seconds left. Jeff Saturday. I swear if you say, like, what are you going to say? Could could he be the coach of the Colts? Like, obviously, I'm not going to say one game, oh, he's the guy. But, kinda, that is kind of knee-jerky, though, but, but you like, have to admit. It is. It's, it's very knee-jerky. But in the last, you know, seven games, if what he is goes... It? What is it that we, that uh, we usually do? Overreaction Monday. Overreaction Monday. Yeah. If he goes, if he finishes the season, if they finish eight eight and one, I mean, I mean, you heavily consider him. Or aren't you? Aren't you probably hiring the guy? If you don't give it to him outright. You still got to go through the interview process. But then I feel like at that point you're like, well, do do you though? Do you though? I mean, technically you still have to. Do you though? What do you mean? Why would you have to go through the interview process? Did you sign him to a multi-year deal? Not yet. Okay. So since you don't have a coach, you go through the coaching process. Hmm. We'll see. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two after this right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Our number two, Matt Miguez, James Mesh. Welcome back to Crunch Time here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. 337-706-0111 is the game hotline. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. James, let's recap the NFL weekend, shall we, sir? Uh, Thursday night, we kind of talked about it already, the Panthers defeating the Atlanta Falcons 25-15. to uh, We don't need to spend too much time on that game. Kind of already talked about it on Friday. Uh, just wanted to... You know, start there. St. Steelers. Yikes. How about the game in Germany, though? Yeah, this one was interesting. You know, the the Seahawks have kind of been the team that everybody said wasn't going to be very good and they're actually playing not half bad. Especially, Especially proving me wrong. Tampa was a team that a lot of people thought would be good and... I mean, they haven't really been playing that great. To be to be fair, they're on a two-game win streak. They're five hundred. I mean, like I had said in the first hour, I think that now that them winning, having a come from behind victory against the Rams, 
going all the way across the world to huge. Germany. It's huge. Is in getting the win is huge for the morale. Mm-hmm. You head back home. You go travel to Cleveland, but that's it to me that's an interesting one because that's where the strength of the defense lies for Tampa is stopping the run. So you forcing Jacoby Brissett to be great, to me that plays in Tampa Bay's favor. Still hate Tom Brady. <laughs> the Vikings and Bills, we talked about that one already a little bit. Uh, what a overtime thriller that game was. Uh, the Lions and the Bears was an interesting game to me. You know, you, the Bears had the chance as as the clock was expiring to uh, to win that one. And uh, a fourth down sack of Justin Fields ended that game with a 31-30 to score for the Lions. Let's go to the hotline now. Jay, what's going on? I understand, I understand that you're one of those next man up, you know, which I think is silly. Um, come on, man. I, you, you saw my auto want to hear the excuses. This team is just hurt, man. This team has been depleted with injuries over and over and over again. And if you've been following the Saints, you will see that something's up with this medical staff. I know they have a new medical staff, but it's the same thing. Oh, I agree. You're, you're out. I agree that, 100%. Uh, also, the way I look at it, man, you know, I know you wanted Dawson in there. Uh, so, hey, just keep Dawson. I, I know some people, so I'll just bring Winston back in. No, nah, they're not. Stay with Andy Dawson. Just, just ride him out for the year. Um, because, I, like I say, man, something's going on behind the scenes, man. I know people are upset with Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas reacted or responded to a Josh Allen post, you know, how how the Bills monitored his elbow situation, you know, how they did it the correct way, and he kind of took a shot. You know, some Mm -hmm. people are saying maybe he's talking about himself, or some people are speculating that maybe he's talking about Winston because (laughs) it's crazy, man. Winston Winston should not – the way I look at it now, Winston's been hurt the whole year. Now you got people like Bobby Abra talking about, let's see what Winston can do. Now you just named you just got to name in the schedule of who the Saints upcoming opponent. Man, if you put Winston out there, he's gonna get killed with this offensive line. You playing against teams like uh with defensive linemen like the Bucks, uh the Rams, uh, you know, with Donald. I just right, just go with Dalton, man. Or yep. just use Hill. And what is Taysom Hill hurt? No, they're just misusing him. What you mean? They're they're not they're not using him. How many carries he had yesterday, or how many plays? What, what did he? I know he didn't do too much. Of course, uh, the running game didn't do too much. He ran the ball three times through one pass, and I think he was out there. He's out there for more than that, but that was him handing it off to like Kamara a couple times. Yeah. It's not through, like the, it's not like he was out there for 40 percent of the time. Through one pass and had three carries for one yard. It was the same thing uh, yeah, last okay. Monday night yeah, where that he one touched pass the ball he twice. To Kamara bounced off his hand. Right. So, uh, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, man, I, I feel where you're coming from with this team, but it's just one of those years, man. It happened. Um, I know the expectations were high before the season started, but, hey, it happens. It's just one of those years. Um, and I know that we keep just hoping that they can get on a winning streak, but, man, it's it's just too many key people are out, man. I, and this is not an excuse, man. You know what I'm saying? You can't. I understand where you're coming from. You know, you can step up, and no one wants to hear – Oh, injuries, injuries, because I'm sure every team has their fair share of uh, injuries, mm-hmm. but not like this. Name me a team that's suffering like the Saints in the, in the National Football League. Could you, could you name a team? Not offhand, no. Ravens? I mean, I, I usually see their injury report pretty yeah, stacked pretty often. The, the, the Ravens are having a lot of injury issues, too, yeah. They, they've they been they've been utterly 
catastrophic with the running backs and the receivers haven't been too great. And then they had helped, they had dealt with uh, Mark Andrews and he was a last minute out for them last Monday night against the saints. And, and, likely, I, and, that, uh, and that's uh, just, and that's just the offense. Yeah. But the difference is you have a coach that's been there since when? Oh, eight, Oh seven, something like that. Yeah. He's you been know, there for so a while. They're, they're kind of intact. And that's a different, I'm not saying the saints are a bad organization as a whole. They're not, especially uh, since, um, the 80s, you know what I'm saying? If you keep it, if you put everything in perspective, but I just think that the Ravens just have a better coaching staff. Harbaugh's a leader, and they have they have key veterans on that team. Um, yeah, that's a yeah, that's a good uh, example. The Ravens, I guess. Um, that's all I have to add, and uh, thank you all. Thanks, Jay. Yeah, so I I get that you know bad seasons happen. That they they one hundred percent do, but my thing is this: last year, you finished nine and eight, you missed the playoffs, you dealt with a lot of injuries. The game hotline. Everybody said that it was Hello? a bad year. This year. Hello. Okay. <laughs> you're off to a right. three and seven start with a lot of injuries. And a new coaching staff. That's the biggest difference this year is the coaching staff. What are we going to say next year? If this team goes 7-10 and 10 and has a lot of, oh, it's just injuries. Like, aren't y'all going to get kind of tired of saying that? Because I'm going to get kind of tired of hearing it. Let's go to the hotline now. Randy, what's up, bud? Hey, good afternoon. Hey, um, you know, my personal feelings about heinous Jameis aside, something's got him in the coach's doghouse. We don't know what. They're keeping it quiet, but there's a reason he's not on the field. And uh, it could be something similar to the uh, Matt Ryan deal, except that was a public benching. Um, but the way I look at it right now, the Saints only got a couple of choices because, you know, tanking's not going to help them. They don't have a first-round pick. So do they – just want to keep going out there dilly-dallying like they are? Or shouldn't they just put Taysom Hill under center and run the dang ball and at least have a chance of beating the Buccaneers and the Falcons and maybe eking out a win over the division? You know, they'd get pounded in the first round of the playoffs if they made it, but that's their only shot at salvaging this season is to win this division. And uh, it's not going to happen with Andy Dalton. It's just not. So I don't see why they don't just put Taysom Hill under center. He's won a lot of games for the Saints. Put him in there. He won a lot of games for the Saints with Sean Payton as head coach. It was a completely different team. That's a fact. I get get where you're coming from, and, and there's a part of me that would like to see it. But at the same time... From what I've seen with this coaching staff, it, uh, I have no confidence that they would use them correctly because it feels like this, they haven't used them correctly all year except for one or two games. This coaching staff couldn't put together a winning season with Drew Brees. <laughs> You're probably right. I, you know what? I really want to know what's got Jameis in the doghouse and why he's on the bench. I'd love to hear why. I kind of go. You know, there's a reason. I kind of go back to because I've gone back a few times. I've gone back to how it was before the season whenever they were in very hot contention with uh, Browns, Falcons, and Panthers for Deshaun Watson. The fact that, I mean, if I were the GM, I probably would have done the same thing before everything kind of 
blew up and eventually went to Cleveland. But the fact that you would have gotten a serious upgrade, and we both know where we both stand with Jameis. I still like him. But, I mean, if you can get a serious upgrade with Deshaun Watson potentially, I mean, I say you go for it because I'm a big potential guy. So, to me, with that, when that happened, that showed Jameis, like, hey, you're you're more of a backup plan if we don't get Deshaun Watson, which is ultimately what happened. He still showed up every day, every day and is still trying to prove what he can do. But to me, that kind of sits in the back of the mind and is like, look, they they obviously didn't have enough confidence because if they had all the confidence in the world, they would have never even even thought of the idea of trying to go for He's You're, you're spot on. With Deshaun Watson. You're, you're spot on. Jameis got hurt. Dalton won them a game or two. And they were like, oh, that's our guy. That's what it is. Uh, you get to the point now, though, where you're paying a guy $24 million and your backup quarterback's throwing two picks and for his life. It's almost like, why wouldn't you put another guy in there? And But there's a reason that they, and this coaching staff is inept and inexcusable. But still, they've got something that's keeping him on the bench. And I, I don't know what it is. I'd like to. I'd, I'd actually like to see him go in there and get killed. You know, <laughs> have, the, have the defenses destroy him. But, you know. Appreciate the call, Randy. Yeah, so... All right, thank you, guys. You know, I'd like to see them them change it up. But again, you know, is James Winston a better option at this point? Re- like, really and truly, is James Winston leaps and bounds a better option with the offensive line issues that you're having and the lack of weapons that you're having would Jameis Winston at quarterback make your team exponentially better at this point in time? I just don't think so. Let's go to the hotline, Rockefeller. What's up? Man, I don't know. What's, what's the matter with you people? You people want Taysom Hill to start quarterback? Why? Because the season is over or just because I think he, he'll save something? Because, I mean, a little, people, bit of, little bit of both. People are looking for a spark. I mean, and I hear people. I hear a lot of. He won a lot of games. He won a lot of games. How many games did he win at the Saints? I mean, last season he won. Talking about Taysom. Yeah, what he won four games last year. I think he went. Okay, he went like four and one. Four and one as a starter last year, and he had a few wins uh, in twenty twenty. Okay, how many wins is that? Five or six. Off top, I think it was about. Between five, yeah, and seven. he won. He, but won he only he only lost one game. He won four games as a starter last year. He was four and one as a starter last year, and then in twenty twenty, he was three and one. So seven and two in his career as a starter in New Orleans. You see, the thing is, the thing about it though, like y'all just mentioned, Sean Payton was the coach, and Sean Payton know mm-hmm. how to design stuff for him to be successful. At. Well, you just stick him in a regular quarterback position to be successful, it ain't happening. Correct. So I don't know. People looking at about so say a lot of wins. He, he a lot of wins. I thought was like at least thirty. Now you get four or five wins in the in the league. But if you look at it, we'll look at Jimmy Garoppolo. All these quarterbacks now today in this new era, you win four or five games. You start or you come and relieve somebody. You get four or five games, and then all of a sudden that's it. Yeah, that's the guy or whatever, whatever. Then you start off next season. You win four or five more, and all of a sudden you do for a big contract. You know, so 
the sample size of these guys today is not really enough to really determine if they can be good enough to start each team anywhere because now it only takes a few games and all of a sudden you crown new king, you know? So, I mean, I just don't know. We don't have a quarterback and no, if Wilson's not it, Bowles not it, he sure is not it. So we got to just find a way to some, some kind of way start over going into the offseason with that position, some kind of way either get a veteran. I read a veteran, somebody that's proven already, ready to play now. Where they have to wait on a rookie to develop. Maybe if he's ready to play now, we sit him half a year and bring him in after week eight or nine. I can understand that, but I'd rather get a veteran. we got to start doing something with the quarterback position. This team has a lot of holes. It's not just in one spot and everything. There's just holes all over the place, and we got to figure out what we're going to do with the coach also. Okay. Because I just think, in my, in my opinion, he can't handle being a defensive coach and an offensive coach at the same time for one team. We just can't do it. There's too much on his plate. I'm right. sorry. Mr. Rockefeller, let me ask you, if you want a veteran quarterback, who 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 do you like? I like a lot of veteran quarterbacks, but they're not available. I wanted Stafford before he went to the Rams. We couldn't get him. Now, I mean, you know, it just, it just it's different quarterbacks I like to have. I mean, I know Watson, the thing with Watson came up and all this other stuff. I'd love to have him and everything. I know about that. I'd love to have Kirk Cousins. If Kirk Cousins was available some kind of way. You can't tell me Kirk Cousins ain't good enough to win. Uh, people think, you know, you got to be a top two or three quarterback in the league to win. If you ain't that, you can't win. And that's nonsense. That's total nonsense. If he's good enough to win you a lot of games, he's good enough to win that one last game. It's all about the team. So if we can get our team together and find that quarterback. He ain't going to be Aaron Rodgers. He ain't going to be Tuck Brady and all these guys. As long as he's good enough to win, we can win with that. But we got to move on from these that we have. Now, maybe keep Dalton or Winston, one of them, as a backup and stuff, or whatever we go do from there. We have to get a legit starter and maybe find out what we could do with those two. And maybe he'll go back to his original role and stuff right there, being the wildcat guy and the guy that'll rush and catch passes and throw some time. But we need a quarterback, man. We need other things, too. We need a quarterback, most of all. So we can't rely on these guys. Like I said, if the first two not there, he's sure not it. He might come in and win us a game or two, give us a spark. But how long that spark will last? Because he's he's basically a one trick pony quarterback. You know what's coming. Yep. So I mean, I mean, we got to get that position together, man. So I don't know about all these guys. Talk about all this little small sample size. Like I said, they win a couple of games, and all of a sudden everybody thinks they're good enough to really win. But we need more than that to determine how good you could be as a quarterback. In today's era, is too much. It's too much. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's too much dressing uh, on stuff. It's not really. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy, man. We got to get our quarterback situation together, and we should be all right. Because our roster is not that bad. It's not that bad. We got to, you know, mm-hmm. we got good players on defense. We got good players on mm-hmm. offense too. Got to get our offensive line better again, the way it was a couple years ago. Get that back to being legit, you know, and stuff. And we can, you know, we can do some things. But right now, we got too many holes, man. Got too many holes, and we got to, like I said, figure out what Dennis Allen is going to be as a coach. Will he be a defensive-minded coach and? trying to hold up the offense, or will he be a good offensive coach trying to hold up the defense? What will he be as a coach? We don't know. So, right. Rockefeller, appreciate you. Listen. So, yeah, look, Kirk Cousins, the guy's 67 and 60 in his career. Is that really what we want? Not to mention, he's 34. What, what, do, you, what, do, you, what do you, okay, so say, say, you, say you would get Kirk Cousins. You have him for what, three years? Then what? You're right back where you are. That's why. That's why. Because that that brings up a point. My whole thing is, I say, get everything else right. 
Well, that's the thing. Because Rock, Rockefeller just pointed it out. He said, you don't need a great quarterback to win. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's so so. Couldn't you take a healthy James Winston, put pieces around him, put a good coach in place, and win? You'd have to get the pieces that kind of fit with him more because usually with the Saints, they're looking to kind of be more up tempo, well, right. short to medium pass game. But like, ju- just just my point of you know you don't need this legendary quarterback to win Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. Couldn't Jameis do it if the fit was right? If you if you mold the offense well, around him, yeah, that, that's what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. You put the right pieces in place. You put the right coach with the right offensive scheme for Jameis Winston. Correct. Look at Daniel Jones before he got Brian Dable. And now we're talking about now we, Daniel now Jones a, as a top fifteen quarterback in the league. Correct. That's why I'm. That's why I'm saying get the rest of your team right. Get a coach before they draft a guy. That's going to be like, I want this guy. Because when you look at coaches, if they draft a QB and then the coach is gone a year later and now you got a new QB, how many times is that coach how much how many times is that coach going to be like, yeah, I want I want him as my right. quarterback. I didn't get to pick him. Right. I didn't I didn't hand pick oh, him. True. I want to pick my guy. It's true. So you have to get the coach and the other positions situated, then you go get a quarterback. It's the same thing with the Seahawks whenever they won. They won before they paid Russ. After Russ, what have they done? Declined. They've declined. Every and then, year. And then you look at the Chargers. Chargers, before you have to pay Justin Herbert, you get in, you got until 2024. So next year, you either better get yourself situated with Brandon Staley because once you pay Herbert, you're not going to be able to keep all those extra pieces. You're going to have to start picking and choosing who are we going to keep, who are you going to keep for the long term. That's what it comes down to. So, if to me, that's another reason why I say, if you want to go all in for next year, get rid of Brandon Staley, go get Sean Payton, and then you build from there. And give us a first rounder. <laughs> if you were looking for great stocking stuffers for this holiday season, look no further than the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. As a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse, a $50 gift certificate to Hashdale Oyster House, or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. The only way to score these great stocking stuffers is by joining the clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. Sign up today. We'll take a timeout when we return. We'll hear from Saints head coach Dennis Allen after last after yesterday's loss against the Steelers right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Man, shout out to Lake Chuck. Shout out to McNeese on a two-game win streak. Hell, they might be better than the Saints. Welcome back to Crunch Time, Matt Miguez, James Mesh. Look, McNeese, the 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 formula for for the Cowboys is, is simple: run the ball, feed Deontay McMahon. And now they and now they got McAvoy. Yeah, so that they got pretty much a two headed monster out there. You had now. two backs 
go over 125 yards. Al McMahon was three yards away from 200. Run the football. I don't care who you put a quarterback. McElroy. I don't don't care who you put a quarterback. He doesn't need to be throwing it. Run the football. Pretty much do what high school does. Throw it maybe ten times a game. Right. Run the ball. It is working for you. Now, none of them, now none of their runs are explosive. At least that last game. None of them were 50, 60, 70 yard runs. You don't need them to be. But the fact that you were getting big, solid chunk after solid chunk, it adds up pretty fast. Because what you're doing by running the ball the way that they were, you're doing two things. Number one, you're milking the clock, and you're wearing that defense down. You're wearing them down. It's huge. Run the football. I will say it over and over and over and over and over again. Run the ball. So props to McNeese, props to Lake Chuck, three and seven on the year now, and they will play. Their next game is against Lamar this Saturday at home in the hole. Look, you know, obviously sixth in Southland, a three and seven record. It's not where you wanted to be, right? No, but if you can get this last win and you finish the season four and seven, three game winning streak, three game winning streak, there's something to build on. There's something that this spring, when you get back to work, you look back at it and go, let's continue how we finished. And that means a lot to kids, that means a lot to coaches, and that means a lot to the fans as well. Win this game against Lamar, have something to build on for next year, and year two under Gary Goff will be, I have a feeling it could be pretty spectacular. So, once again, shout out Lake Chuck. McNeese getting the big win on the road at Houston Christian the other night, 21-10. to Going back to the Saints, though, falling to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Let's go back to the hotline really quickly. Rockefeller, what's up? Yeah, but that's a great point, man. That's the kind of point I was really trying to make. You don't have to have a great quarterback, but you're kind of right about the Winston thing. Winston can probably do it. Because, look, I made this point earlier. I was talking to somebody earlier. Nick Foles won a championship, okay? Brad Johnson won a uh, championship. Trent Dilfer won a championship. And Joe Flacco won a championship. Yep. So, I mean, if those guys win a championship, you don't need studs. They all had a good team around them. Yep. You know, they all had a good team. So I think Winston can do the same thing if the team is right. right. But if they don't believe he, he, he can't do it, they're going to end up getting rid of him because basically the team is not right. So right. the team not right, you can never really see how good he is. Last year you were starting to see before he got hurt. But, you know, like, so that's a great point, man. It's a team game, so... You don't have to be great to win it, but we can definitely keep him if he's healthy and the offensive line is healthy and the medical staff not lying to us. We can definitely keep that and probably win with him, but will we be patient enough? That's the key right. in today's era. Patience. There's no patience, man. No, like absolutely. I said, no patience. The quarterback fail one year, you got to go. Talk to you all later. Appreciate you, Rockefeller. Yeah, the, the coaching staff's got to get overhauled. It, it just has to. And I know that there comes a point where the coaches can only do so much and the players have to execute. But you, there's just something there's something off with, with this coaching staff. I don't know if it's a, you know, a lack of care or you know, maybe they're just not 
good head like Dennis Allen's not a good head coach, which you know let, let's let's be very honest about something that happens. Guys aren't always made to be head coaches in the NFL. Nick Saban is a point I bring up every time. Look at his two years in Miami was a utter failure, complete failure. And now, I mean, he's got seven national titles and has a dynasty at Alabama. I mean, they're literally naming buildings after him. You, you, you kidding me? Some guys just can't do it. And maybe that maybe that's what we're learning with Dennis Allen, that he's, he's a great NFL DC and that's all he's ever going to be, and that's okay. It's 100% okay. But again, you know, going back to yesterday's game, Dennis Allen did meet with the media as well as Andy Dalton and Jarvis Landry. Tyron Matthew might have had the most poignant thing to say out of all of it. They're just not a good football team right now. It's just not a good football team. Let's go to the hotline. Ray, what's up? Hey, what's going on? I, I called early, man. And look, I'm going to make it brief and short because uh, I'm still working, man. So I never really wanted Dennis Allen, man. I mean, I thought that was a bad a bad hire. They want to say, oh, we want to keep it within. You know what? Eric Bieniemy, he wanted to be the coach, but he didn't want to be no coordinator. He wants to be the head coach. So I thought this should have went out and get him because Dennis Allen, I mean, we already knew what he did in, at, at the Raiders. So, what y'all think, man? Y'all think Mickey Loomis gonna keep this dude another year? I mean, I don't think he should. I think he needs to get. I think he needs to get fired after this year. Appreciate the call. So, he, I'm, I'm gonna put it to you like this: Do I think Dennis Allen should be fired? Yes. Do I think he will be fired? No. No, I don't. I want him to be fired. I think he should be fired. I haven't seen anything that says, you know what, there's potential here. There's that that's the biggest thing, right? Coaches in their first year can have bad seasons, injuries, you know, tough schedule, whatever it is, can have a bad year. But James, come come in on this quickly before we take a timeout. Have you seen any improvement? Like anything that shows you, you know, maybe if we were a little bit healthier, we'd be a different football team. Not too much. The way the way I see it is, I, I've seen the players make individual plays every once in a while, and you feel like there's moments. But I feel like that's with there's any no, coach. There's no consistency. There's no chemistry. There's not a lot of. Discipline. There's no discipline. Ten penalties? You're one of the most penalized teams in the league, and most of it is procedural. How many false start calls were there yesterday? A bunch? I think there was about three. 30% of your penalties were false starts? That's horrible. And then you had three pass interferences? Those are wishy-washy. That That's okay. It, it's just it's little things that the Saints are doing poorly under Dennis Allen that are stacking up to be major issues. And look, that the like I said, that's what's holding me up is the fact that there hasn't been improvement. That's why I think Dennis Allen should be gone. And Ray, I agree with you hundred percent. The guy I wanted last year was Eric Bieniemy, and I want him now. 
Go get him this offseason. I said it earlier today off the air with RP3 and James. Go get Eric Bieniemy. Go get you a good young quarterback and turn this thing around. Let's take a time out. Brendan Moore joins us next for a conversation about the weekend in college football right here on Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Let's talk college football with our guy Brendan Moore of the Sideline Sports Network. Brendan, what's going on, bud? How are you? What's going on, Matt? Doing very well. How about you? I'd be better if the Saints weren't so bad. I understand your pain, man. I watch the Lions every Sunday. Try to hang in there. It's tough, man. I mean, we're on a two-game win streak. So I was about to say, y'all got a big win yesterday. So, I mean, you got to start somewhere. You got to start somewhere. All right. Let's, exactly. let's let's break down the weekend that was in college football, and I'm going to start. Let's go back to Thursday night and, and start with a team that plays their home games about 15 minutes from our studio in the Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns, taking down Georgia Southern 36 to 17. I know you were you were following that game a little bit. Just kind of, you know, what were your thoughts on the Cajuns' win over the Eagles at home? Yeah, I man, I thought it was a really good one for them. Obviously, getting back to uh, 500 was huge. I actually had Georgia Southern pulling the upset. That was kind of one of my upset picks for the week. I mean, Louisiana pretty much dominated that football game, ran the ball really well. Uh, they stopped Georgia Southern's run game. I think Georgia Southern had less than 100 yards. So I was impressed with uh, Louisiana's performance. I mean, next two games, they needed one win to get to, to a bowl game. At Florida State's going to be tough. They're a physical football team, so... At Texas State will probably be their game to uh, hopefully get to bowl eligibility for them. So I was impressed with the win Thursday night, though. And then looking at Saturday, you know, a couple games, LSU holding on in an ugly game with Arkansas winning that one 13-10. They're now playing in the SEC championship game. Did you expect that back in August? Absolutely not. I mean, I got heat on Twitter for saying they're going to go 8-4. and four. Like that's That was on the high end uh, in terms of uh, – kind of preseason expectations. So, I mean, Brian, there's been a lot of Brian Kelly haters I've seen in the past couple months, but, I mean, I don't see really any now. I mean, four-game win streak, going to the SEC championship in year one, I mean, I mean, obviously two losses, not great. That opening loss to Florida State still kind of stings because without that, they'd be even more in the playoff race with a better chance of making, that, making the college football playoff. But, I mean, LSU, SEC championship year one, I mean, you can't get a better start than that. No, no, no doubt about it. And they're going to play Georgia, who you know won the championship last year, and they're just rolling through the schedule this year. Uh, what do you, What do you think the likelihood is that the Bulldogs repeat as national champs? I'd say they're definitely the favorites. So I give it probably a sixty percent chance. If I were to put a number around it, maybe a forty percent chance for the field. I just think Georgia's uh, superior on the offensive side and the defensive side to a majority of the teams in the race right now. I mean, offense, they're significantly improved from last year. Stetson Bennett's playing at an NFL level, I think. I think he should be drafted. I know maybe his measurables aren't there, but Stetson Bennett can fit the ball in a tight window. So he's making NFL throws on a weekly basis. I mean, the skill players, the tight end room, the offense is just so much better this year at Georgia. And they won the national championship last year. I mean, looking at the defense, I mean, yeah, lost a lot of guys from last year, but still they're playing at an elite level. So I like Georgia to win the Natty right now. I think they're definitely the favorites. I know this one pains you, but just talk about Ohio State and the season that they've had. Um, you know, they they got a collision course with, with Michigan coming up here in a couple weeks. Yeah, man, I'm excited for that Ohio State-Michigan game. I think it might be the best college football game of the year. Obviously, Tennessee-Bama uh, was a really good game, so high standards there, but – 
I mean, Ohio State, the one thing I'm concerned about is their physicality. Looking at Michigan, too, I mean, they're really physical along the line of scrimmage Michigan is. So Ohio State kind of has to match that going into the game. I think they can. Obviously, Jackson Smith and Jigba needs to get back healthy. Hopefully he'll be back this week. I mean, Trevion Henderson, another guy they're concerned about. I know Mayan Williams went down against Indiana. Hopefully he'll be all right. I mean, injuries are a concern right now for Ohio State. They've seemed to caught the injury bug. But overall, I think they'll be able to sneak into the playoffs. Even if they lose to Michigan, I still think they're a good enough team to maybe get in over maybe a one-loss Tennessee. But that's where the debate on Selection Sunday comes down to. Chatting with Brendan Moore of the Sideline Sports Network. Talk to me about the game between TCU and Texas. You know, this game, Texas... You know they're they're so close to being you know back in the relevancy of, of college football and obviously being ranked in the eighteen in the playoff poll, but you know six and four now their 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 season kind of hanging on by a thread, but I mean TCU has just been so impressive. Yeah, I mean you can see the strides that Sark's making at Texas five and seven last year. There's they've got the six wins. Uh, two winnable games coming up against Kansas and Baylor. So, I mean, Texas, they're making strides. They're improving. I'm worried about – I know TCU won the football game. That's great. They're 10-0. Un- unbelievable season for Sonny Dykes. But what I'm worried about, let's say, if they get into the playoffs and match up against a Georgia and Ohio State and Michigan, is that offensive line. Texas had, I think, four or five sacks against TCU on Saturday. So that's a concern for me for TCU is just the pocket uh, – yeah, just protecting the passer, I guess you could say. So that's what I'm worried about with TCU. Overall, good win, though. You know, as we get closer to the to the playoff, realistically, in your mind, who are the four teams that get in? Obviously, there, there's still a lot of chips that can fall with conference championship games and whatnot. But say the season ended today, who's your four teams? The season ended today... I just have to go with the four undefeated teams. I mean, they're, I don't think TCU is one of the four best teams, but they're one of the most deserving teams. You look at their resume, they've beaten a lot of ranked teams. I mean, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma was ranked when they played them. Kansas was ranked when they played, when they played them. Texas was ranked when they played them this past Saturday. So, I mean, TCU has the resume to get in. So I'll give that fourth seed to TCU right now. Obviously, Ohio State, Michigan, both undefeated. I've looked dominant all season long. I'll give them Ohio State two. I'll give Michigan the three seed. And right now I'll give Georgia the one seed. But again, I mean, this is not going to be the same four teams as what we'll see come Selection Sunday, in my opinion. Because I think Ohio State, Michigan, I think the loser of that, it'll be a debate a debate between them and possibly Tennessee. If, they, if Tennessee wins out and maybe a TCU, maybe a one-loss conference champ TCU, or maybe just a, simply a one-loss TCU who didn't win their conference champ. So I do think no matter what happens, I think there's going to be a big debate come Selection Sunday. But right now my four teams are Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, TCU. Okay, so let's add on to that. Let's, I'm going to play devil's advocate here because I enjoy doing that. Uh, LSU runs the table, finishes 10-2, and two, and they beat Georgia in the SEC championship game. Is that enough to put the Tigers in? Man, I mean, SEC champ, toughest league in the country, but you're a two-loss team. To consider them. Yeah. I mean, it also depends what TCU does to me. So, I mean, 
if you paint me a scenario where TCU is undefeated and LSU has a has two losses as the SEC champ, I'm still leaning TCU. Uh, I mean, two games ahead of them in terms of record, uh, 13 and 0 versus an 11 and 2 LSU. I'll give the nod to TCU. I think that debate would really come down between a one-loss Michigan slash Ohio State versus that two-loss LSU SEC champ team. So. Looking ahead to this weekend, what are some games that, that jump out to you on the schedule? I mean, there's not a whole lot of ranked versus ranked matchups we'll see this weekend. I think Thanksgiving weekend is just going to be just so many great games. But one game I'm interested in that maybe not everyone has an eye on is Oklahoma State, Oklahoma. Oklahoma's coming off of their lost the last two games. I mean, they're five and five. They got to find a win to get to a bowl game. Oklahoma State had a nice bounce back win uh, against Iowa State. They struggled a little bit. Spencer Sanders is still shaking up, so hopefully he's healthy. But that's a game I have an eye on. Bedlam's always a fun rivalry. But I mean, look at the Pac-12 this weekend. I mean, USC. After last weekend, UCLA and uh, Oregon going down. USC is the Pac-12's only hope That's to get into the playoff. Game. We really didn't mention them when we talked about the playoff uh, a couple minutes ago. So USC, UCLA, it's a big rivalry there. I mean, USC's got to win that game to stay alive in the playoff race. In terms of just conference championship uh, kind of implications, Utah-Oregon also a game to watch out for in the Pac-12. Brendan Moore of the Sideline Sports Network joining us. Brendan, really appreciate your time, man, as always, and we'll do it again soon. Sounds good, Matt. We'll see you soon. And there he goes, Brendan Moore of the Sideline Sports Network. Quick update earlier, we talked about the situation at the University of Virginia. The conversation, at least according to reports on social media, uh, there is a conversation as to whether or not Virginia will play their game on Saturday against Coastal Carolina. So that's something to monitor uh, because that that could really change some scenarios, um, you know, in in terms of team seasons. You know, if Coastal Carolina has one less game, right now they're in conversation for the New Year's Six spot. Would that change things? So definitely something to to keep an eye on there. uh, If Coastal Carolina does have to play one less game, that makes their road a little bit harder. But again... This situation is obviously much bigger than football. And uh, definitely, again, just an absolutely tra- tra- tragic situation in uh, in Charlottesville, Virginia. But uh, we'll take a timeout, wrap up today's show on the other side. You are listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Sign up right now for The Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com. So you can score tickets, gift certificates, and more. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. One of the things I love about betting on the NFL is that I'm always finding new players or game props I like. And what's cool about FanDuel Sportsbook is you can combine these props with other bets from the same game to score an even bigger payout. Perfect for tonight's game. I'll take a Devontae Smith anytime touchdown, the under on Taylor Heineke's passing yards, and then the Eagles money line. Same gun parlays are just one of the reasons why I bet with FanDuel. It's easy to register, easy to deposit, and easy to find your bet. And it's also easy to place your bet fast during a game if you see a trend that you like. There's no feeling like nailing a same game parlay bet, so lock in your bet today on FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can get up to $150 in free bets, win or lose, with promo code KLWB. 
That's promo code KLWB. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable free bets that expire 14 days after the receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. Monday Night Football, who wins tonight? I'm going Eagles. Nope. I, 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 Wrong. <laughs> Fake news. I'm going upset. City undefeated no more. The commanders command things. It's what I'm hoping for, at least. I was kidding. You sounded so confident, and then you're like, hopefully. <laughs> All right. I mean, do Oh, do, that just got we, rid of that whole. Do we, do we have faith in Taylor Heineke? No, that's why I said the under on his passing yards. Oh. And that's why I said the Eagles money line. Oh. I mean, he was he did win three straight before they fell to the Vikings by only three points. Poll question. What stood out for you the most over the weekend? LSU beating Arkansas? Saints losing in the Steelers? Poirier beating Chandler? Or something else? Uh, looking at it, Poirier is winning with 33.3%. LSU has 28.6%. Saints losing is 23.8%. And then other, 143 I want to take this opportunity to thank our guest, Wilson Alexander and Brendan Moore. Come back tomorrow, same time, 4 to 6. Ross Jackson will join us at 4.30 to talk more about our lovely New Orleans Saints and more of your phone calls on the hotline. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well, hug your mom and them, and we'll talk to you tomorrow right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We're going to go national to CBS Sports Radio before Monday Night Football takes over.